Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. Hey, so uh, I I finally got my air conditioning fixed, which was awesome. I uh, got, got new furnaces and everything. So I'm actually in my house comfortably podcasting tonight. That is, uh, that's pretty neat. You thought I was going to say cool, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I will not give you that satisfaction. That's my job. But, you know, in the period of time that we didn't have heat and air in our house, you know, you 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 learn little tricks to to get by. So, like, when this past winter when we were struggling and didn't have, like, full heat in our house, I, I figured out the perfect way to stay warm. Oh, really? Yeah, you just got to go stand in a corner. It it really is that easy. They're usually about 90 degrees. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is! The Atlanta Braves are world champions! Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast, presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Cam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by Mr. Cam Matthews. Cam, how you doing today? What? Shaking, begging. Oh, not too much, not too much. We had a we had a fun week of baseball. It's been a fantastic week, and of course, later on in the show, we're going to break down all of the games from this past week. Uh, but before we do that, there's been a lot of baseball news that we have to talk about: good, bad, and ugly. So, Cam, should we start with good, bad, or ugly? Let's 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 go good. Let, let's start the show off on a, on a good foot. Yeah, let's go good. Let's go good. And what could be better than waking up to the news that the Atlanta Braves had signed outfielder Michael Harris II to an eight-year, $72 million contract? Woo! Did not see that one coming, guys. I don't know about y'all, but it is phenomenal to be an Atlanta Braves fan because of stuff like this. Like yeah, the- so... It- the the news of this started breaking during the middle of a game during the Mets series. And I feel like a lot of people were like, no, no, are you sure? And then I, I feel like Heyman or somebody tweeted about it. And it's like, okay, wait a second. Like say what you want about it, Heyman. This, he's actually serious. Like once, once someone like Heyman says it, you know that it's something you can start to take seriously. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, Even though I, st- I still need, I still need passing to confirm it, but I'll I'll take it seriously if Heyman said it. Yeah, uh, then then it happens. Then like passing confirms it, and all of a sudden, while a game is still going on, you're like, oh my god! <laughs> like we have Michael Harris locked up for the next near decade. Yeah, I I, I mean it's it's just wild. Like as as hesitant as this team has been to to sign and extend guys in the past for, for us to go after this kid who has only played, I, I think the number was 71 major league games prior to getting that extension 
it's it's just incredible. I mean, the Braves get him for undervalue. The uh, Michael Harris gets paid years before he would have otherwise. Um, it, it just it really feels like a win for everybody here. Yeah, it it really does, and I think. I think again, you just you can't say enough about the story of, of Michael Harris this season. You know, talk talking about a guy that was in Double A, skip Triple A, comes right up is immediately a spark plug for this team. Has produced the way he has. Grew up a Braves fan, and then now we've got him locked up for the next eight years. I I think it's just an amazing opportunity for everybody involved. And and my comment to those fans of other teams who who are getting upset at the Braves for 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 making all of these deals how do you think they're doing it when yeah. i don't i don't see any other team in baseball offering 72 million dollars to a player who has played less than half of a full season of major league baseball so until your team is offering that contract. Don't don't come for the Braves. We're just beating y'all to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, I, and I'm not going to say that like Anthopolis is you know doing groundbreaking work as a general manager or anything like that, but he has definitely started to go against the tide in a lot of ways of how things are normally I'm, handled. You want to, you want to hear the, uh, the, the rumor I, uh, I'd been seeing floating around from fans of other teams. What's that? Okay. So you know how all these contracts have something written into the language where 1% goes to the Braves foundation. Yeah. All right. So the Braves foundation is this massive money laundering scheme that lets them funnel money to players like Ronald Acuna Jr. and Michael Harris who aren't getting their value. So it's it's this big, like, like Ozark-esque money laundering scheme to get these guys paid off the books. And yet the Mets owner actually got caught laundering money. Anyway! Exactly! We have an actual money launderer in an at-least ownership. I swear. <laughs> no, no. I the mean, stuff I, people come up with never, never fails to to make a scene. Right. Well, and and you know what situations like this, what does this say about the culture of of playing for a team like the Braves? Right. Like I, I feel like right now, you know, in terms of alluring potential free agents, you know, beyond the dollar value, because you know, if 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 player X hits the free agent market and the and the Orioles. Or not, not the or or sorry, bags. I mean, the Pirates offer them an insane deal, or a competitive team offers them slightly less. You know whether or not we ever actually hear about those figures. You do wonder if you go for the better team, even though it's slightly less money, because well, and, you, you know. You, and I think it goes beyond. And, I think it goes beyond. You know, the team's good. There are a lot of good teams in baseball. There are there ten to fifteen teams that you would you would say at the beginning of a season would be contending. So so what separates those teams from one another if all things money are equal? Well, right. then it goes to culture, what you've built in your clubhouse, the guys that that everyone's going to be playing around. So 
If if you want someone to take your $200 million instead of the Yankees... I'm Michael Judson-Barry. And I'm Paris Nicholson. And we're both influencers. We're also your amazing hosts of The Social Dose, a fabulous new podcast where we serve your weekly dose of social's most important stories. It's like the yassification of news brought to you by us, Paris and Michael. Join us and special correspondents three times a week, every week. So listen to The Social Dose from Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. These $200 million, they have to have a reason in that locker room to know, hey, I'm going to have a better time for the next five, ten years in locker room A than I am in locker room B. And Atlanta, I think, has firmly positioned itself as locker room A in almost all of Major League Baseball at this point. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think we are just we are an attract we are an attractive culture to be part of, especially if you are a young, talented player. We we have a really good track record of success right now in this run. Obviously, uh, yeah, I, I think compounded with the the rumor that payroll is going to get a significant bump going into next year. You know, I said it in our group chat earlier today, like this season is going to end however it ends. And it's, you know, we have a darn good team right now. But man, you can't help but also be kind of excited thinking about next year too, that like, you know, no matter how we end up this year, next season we could be even better, which is just, you know, we're a team that right now is on pace for 100 wins and we could be better next year especially considering we might hit top five in payroll like it's being heavily rumored. Yeah, and I mean, the, the the best part of it all is that you go into next year with Matt Olson, Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, William Contreras, Spencer Strider, all, all these guys you've got locked up. And they're going to be here on opening day next year. And they're going to be here on opening day the year after that. And I, I think the... Probably the best quote from Alex Anthopoulos this week, even though it hurt my little Falcons fan heart. Oh, uh, boy. Was, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot was, about this. Was when he said, like, I remember going to Mercedes-Benz Stadium two years after the Falcons had been in the Super Bowl, and there was nobody there. Nobody. So Anthopoulos is keenly aware of – of the of what the moves he makes does for the dollars and cents of his bosses so he right. is is locking down this core early and and I think to to put a core like this together for a long period of time it has to be done extremely early so I, I think Anthopolis is doing it the only way that it can be done yeah and, and you know it's it, it it's so much cause and effect too in the long run when you think about it. So Ben and Joe were talking about it today on the radio broadcast where it was brought up that today was another sellout and it was like the 30-something sellout out of 60-odd home games this season, you know, which that's a lot. I mean, we're talking about a true sellout. You know, that's quite a few, Right. And they, they, they expanded on that saying that, you know, well, it, it's a remarkable, like from an operations standpoint, that when you put a good product on the field, the people show up. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and, you know, and Joe went on to talk about how he wished, like, some of these struggling teams would, like, realize that, that, 
you know, we're all about making money, right? Like baseball, baseball is found founded on a pile of money for a team that is struggling right now, that doesn't necessarily have the largest budget in a way you got to reinvest back in your own product. And, you know, over the past three, four years, the Braves have done exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, the, it it was always going to be a difficult thing for the front office of the Atlanta Braves to try to recapture what the franchise had in the nineties, but that's what they were tasked, tasked with doing for, for the last decade. And and guys, I'm going to, I'm going to break some news to you here. It's the good old days again. <laughs> and and it's going to be the good old days for the Atlanta Braves for a long time to come. I, I've said it a couple of times this year, and I'm going to say it again. There may have been other times throughout Atlanta Braves history where it's been great to be a Braves fan. I don't think there is any time where it has been better to be a Braves fan than it is right now. Right. You know, to be honest with you, I had not looked all that closely, not at least as of late, at the Braves' actual record. You know, I think the number that myself and plenty of us are focused on is the the distance between the Braves and Mets, right? Yep. And so, and so when I'm listening to the game today and Ben explains that right now we're on pace to win 100 games. 100 games. <laughs> A <laughs> hundred games in second place. You know, I, I think I think we're a little caught up in the fact that we're you know we're trailing and we're in second place. This is still a team that could very well win one hundred games this year. And and you know what, guys, if the Braves win ninety eight, ninety nine, a hundred games this year and finish second in the NL East, so be it. Yeah. I, I I would would I prefer to win the NL East? Of course. But if we win, if we win that many games and don't, who cares? We're still in the postseason, and uh, as yeah. we as we have learned over the years, that is literally all that matters. Get to the right. postseason, everything restarts then. Our our World Series, you know, for our betting audience out there, our World Series odds right now are so much significantly better than they were at this point last year. It's insane. You know, we we literally have the fifth best odds, according to Vegas, to win the World Series this year. I, I mean, fifth best. It's gotten to the point where I'm seeing the Braves in every top five list that anyone puts out, and for darn good reason. Because very good reason, absolutely. I, th- I think we have like eight games, eight or nine games left in the month of August. We are going for our third straight month with single-digit losses. That's insane. We're like what? (laughs) We're like what? We're like what? Fifty-one and twenty-one since June first, or something like that. Uh, We uh, have the single best record in baseball since June first. We are fifty-two and twenty. That's insane. Uh, just ahead of the Dodgers, who are 50 and 20. Right. And so, you know, I don't, you don't want to say, you know, you don't want to throw a bunch of ifs and buts out there, especially about like the first six or seven weeks of this season. But, you know, if you're even, if you win 
three or four more of those games across the first, like one extra game a week, let's say, for the first six weeks, we're sitting in first place right now. Oh, easily. You know, it, it's just, it, it goes to show, like, again, I, I know Alex and I probably blew off uh, the slow start to this season, all, you know, but it does go to show that over the course of a long season, while you're not necessarily doomed, there can be a period of having to climb back, and we certainly are at this point. But Alex has already said my exact sentiments, whether or not we win a division, as long as you get in, that's all that matters. Exactly. And as we sit here today, looking at the wild card standings, the Braves uh, have an eight-game lead over the the Phillies, who are third place in the wild card. Uh, this year, three wild cards get in. Um, so we would have to drop eight games to the Phillies between now and the end of the year to miss the postseason. And folks, that's just not going to happen. Uh, nope. I don't believe so. I, for those of us that watched a little bit of Phillies baseball today on Sunday, you know what I'm talking about. That is <clears throat> okay. They can't do anything right. No, they really can't. They really can't. They had a four-game series against the Mets in which they had to face neither Scherzer nor DeGrom. And they still only took... How many games did they win, Cam? Huh? How many games did they win, Cam? A big fat one. They couldn't even split the series. It's awful. It's truly awful. All right, Cam. Well, that was all, all well and good and sunshine and rainbows, but... Now it's it's time for the bad and the ugly. We have some more Marcelo Zuna news this week. Oh, really? What did Mar- he do? Um, <laughs> Marcelo Zuna got picked up in, uh, I think it was Lilburn, Georgia, uh, at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, had a game the night before, had a game the night after. Uh, and... Uh, Got picked up for DUI. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Uh, so so the guy with the, the shortest leash, the least leeway to make any of these kind of mistakes, uh, goes and makes this kind of mistake. And to make it just even a little bit worse, when he got pulled over, the officer walked up to his car door and one of the first things he said was, I'm Ozuna from the Braves. Buddy, that's not yeah. going to help you in Atlanta anymore. You can't use that with cops in the greater Atlanta area. And if you do, you had better damn well hope that they don't know a thing about baseball. Yeah, this is just... It's just an incredibly dumb situation. You know, it, it it truly is. I mean, a guy who, in my opinion, shouldn't have been on the team to begin with. Um, once once the legal side of this gets sorted out, I, I, I will be fairly upset if this man is occupying a roster spot on my favorite baseball team. Yeah, and, and and you know that that's, that's certainly the speculation from guys like Ken Rosenthal. You know, they believe that once the legal process has played itself out, that the Braves are expected to re- release Ozuna. I'm not necessarily holding my breath on it. We will certainly see. But man, 
it's it's just it, it's so dumb and it's such a bad look and I, I don't know yeah and and if if you haven't seen it braves fans go out and find the the uh the body cam footage uh from the officer who pulled ozuna over it is it's actually kind of funny because he at one point ozuna reaches out and was like hey thanks man i'll see you later and like tries oh, to yeah. shake his yeah, hand like he is none. he is so blitzed that he thinks that he's he's just he's good to go yeah he's ozuna from the braves he's good to go <laughs> and speaking I, of that speaking of that line gotta give a tip of the cap to friend of the show ben ingram who during his radio broadcast of today's game when marcel ozuna got up to the plate for the first time ben ingram goes and now up to bat ozuna from the braves <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah that's rough that's rough uh great, also, great. don't uh don't don't drink and drive kids yeah, like, don't it, drink and drive. Just don't do um, it. If, if you know you're going out for a few drinks, get a backup plan. Don't have Uber a backup plan? Then don't Uber drink. Uber ain't that expensive, y'all. Uber no. is not that expensive, especially if you're making $16 million a year. Yeah. We will, uh, uh, we'll certainly see how this plays out. Well, I've, I've had entirely enough of the Marcelo Zuna conversation, Cam. Can we please... Take a look at some cool moments from this week in baseball history. Well, before we do that, oh, we do have some listener feedback to discuss. Oh. So, oh, do tell. Obviously, obviously, co- contract news is the biggest is some of the biggest talk of the week, right? And giving Michael Harris the second big old fat long term contract to keep him here. Yep. And and actually, we forgot to mention that uh, rumors started floating around that contract that contract extension talks had begun with Dansby Swanson. So whether or not that is true remains to be seen, which knowing our luck usually means that as soon as we hit publish on this episode on Monday morning, the news will drop hints after. As usual. That's usually how these things go. So, but in light of that, we threw this out on our Twitter uh, earlier this week. And of course, if you're not following us, you can find us at Average Chatting. But we asked our listeners, that would be you, who is our shortstop next season? And boy, we had an, a variety of answers. Um, quite a few think that Dan, it, it'll be Dansby, that he will get a contract before this season's over and he will be back next year. Or, you know, some believe he'll test a free agent waters, but he'll come back to the Braves to sign a deal. Um, a lot of people have said that it's going to be Grissom, that they believe that Dansby is old news and he's going to take the cakewalk at the end of the season and Grissom's going to slide over to shortstop. And then, of course, uh, people have said Trey Turner. Uh, some people have said Carlos Correa. Um, I think if we but, asked that question again today, we would get a lot more Vaughn Grissom answers than we got originally. I think we would, and this was only a few days ago. Right. Yeah, so what, what, are, what are your exact thoughts? Like, you know, like if, you, if you had to put a guess on it right now, 9-13 in the year of our Lord, 2022, August 21st, Dansby Swanson. Okay. That's that that's my guess. And the reason is, and we talked about this briefly before we started recording. Um Dansby, I feel like we can get for maybe 20-ish million a year. Um, because I think 
that we can talk him into a, some kind of an Atlanta discount. Um, if the rumors are true and the Braves are expected to go after Jacob deGrom following this season, I don't think you can go out there and give a Carlos Correa or a Trey Turner 30 to $35 million a year, which I believe you'd have to, and still yeah. have the money to go get a Jacob deGrom. So I think... I, I think if if you want to have that pitching bump next year, like we're we're all hoping for, I I think it needs to be Dansby. Yeah, I I tend to lean towards Dansby as well. I I do think that you know because he he does he he fits so well, right? Right. Um. Yeah, and I I think it just it I think from a contractual standpoint from you know from everything else, I think it just it works extremely well um I do wonder how much it how much it possibly depends on the on the DeGrom market I don't I don't necessarily think we're going to make a huge run at the guy but I think we'll be at the table at the very least let me ask you this okay put on put on your Alex Anthopoulos hat for just a second all right would you rather have our pitching staff as it stands and Trey Turner or Carlos Correa, or would you rather have Dansby Swanson and Jacob deGrom? Uh, B. <laughs> B. It is I an mean, easy B. Let me, let me, let me make it a little tougher for you. Would you rather have op- option A or Jacob deGrom and Vaughn Grissom as your shortstop? B. Still B. Uh, yeah. I think so. Now, I well, and you know, I I think there's still plenty to be said about Vaughn Grissom and how he's going to look one week, two weeks, a month, you know, six months. Yeah, from and now. I mean, I get, I'm I'm getting excited about these young guys. I know all of y'all are too, but it's it's a little too easy to forget how excited we all were about Travis Demerit for about a week there. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Michael Harris is certainly coming back down to earth right now yeah he is but he's not not quite as hard as 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 demerit did he's oh no no absolutely he's coming back down to earth while maintaining productivity which is which is great that's That's what you're looking the goal yeah so i don't know we will uh we will certainly see but big shout out to everybody that responded to our uh our twitter question maybe maybe we'll start doing those once a week yeah, yeah. Well, I think we'll be doing those more often. If you aren't already following us on Twitter, go to at Average Chatting uh, because we have not procured the rights to at Chatting Average yet, but we're mm-hmm. trying. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll throw a questionnaire out there every once in a while. We'll uh, you know we'll pick we'll pick a couple of answers from you guys to talk about on the show, or you know maybe we'll pick four, or maybe we'll even uh, maybe pick six. Pick six, you say? Interesting. All right, but for now, what do you say we get into some This Week in Baseball history? Let's do it. All right, we are going to jump into This Week in Baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is August 22nd through the 28th. Our first fact comes to us from August 22nd, 2007. After feeling a near-game-removing pain close to the top of his right hamstring, 
Albert Pujols hits a first-inning two-run homer off of Scott Olson of the Marlins at Bush Stadium to become the first player to hit 30 or more homers in his first seven seasons. It is the fifth consecutive game the Cardinal first baseman has gone deep. So that gives us an excuse to talk about what he's doing right now. Indeed, it does, because boy, oh boy. (laughs) And I feel like that was the only point of of that fact. It was. Well, I mean, it's point enough just to say that Albert Pujols is awesome. But what he's doing right now, like, I despise the Cardinals, as I'm sure most of you do. But dadgummit, I love Albert Pujols. Yeah, I mean, the guys, he's, we've said it again and again, he's, he's one of, if not the best hitter of our generation. Um, and he's, he's starting to find it again. It seems like he hit two home runs last night. He's on an absolute tear. He's up to, I think, 692 or 693 for his career now. Yeah. So like 700 right there. 700 like, is right there. If he finishes this, finishes the season at like 697, telling me he's not going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. You can't. Although it could go horribly wrong and it could turn into a remake of Mr. 3000. Yeah. But you don't think that like on a Tuesday afternoon when the Cardinals are like playing the Tigers at 12 o'clock and the Cardinals are already up like seven to nothing in the fourth. You don't think that some triple A pitcher is not going to come in and be like, all right, let me groove one to the machine just to. Right, <laughs> just 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 to make make quick pitch tomorrow. I'll have morning. my name in the history book forever. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think if he doesn't hit another one this season and finishes at six ninety two or six ninety three, I think he still comes back next year. I think it's, it's I think it's just too. I'm cool good of a with thing. him. I'm good with him occupying a Cardinals roster spot for as long as he wants to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is fine by me. Um, you know, you mentioned that he hit he had a multi-homer game last night. I feel like he had another one earlier this week. Yeah, like he, he did. He has had multi-homer games like a couple of times this year. It's, it's crazy. He has no business doing that at his age, but he's he's out there doing it. Indeed, he is. All right. Our next fact comes to us from August 24th. 2007 Padre starter Greg Maddox becomes the first pitcher to win 10 games in 20 consecutive seasons when he tosses seven solid innings in the team's 14 to three route of Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park. The right-hander compiled a 339 to 196 record during the streak with 196 victories earned while hurling for the Braves. I hate that he played for the Padres. Hate. That's a that, that's that, that's a weird one, isn't it? That first sentence of this fact just threw me for all kinds of a loop. Like, obviously, you you know, he was a Cub, he was a Brave, he was a Cub again. I remember him being a Dodger quicker than I remember him being a Padre. Hmm. As odd as that sounds, it does. Yeah. I definitely remember him being more of a Padre than a Dodger, but I don't like either. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like when you remember that John Smoltz was a Red Sox. Oh, yeah. No, wasn't he a Cardinal, too? Maybe. I don't know. 
Did he finish with the Cardinals? I don't remember. And and it's so weird because he stayed longer than the other two did of the big three, but then still went out and like finished up with other teams. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, he did. He uh he spent 2009 he he split his last season 2009 uh between Boston and St. Louis. And now he thinks that every inning should have extra inning rules. All right. Oh that comes to us from August 26, 1947. Dan Bankhead becomes the major league's first black pitcher. The 27-year-old right-hander doesn't do well in a relief stint, giving up 10 hits and six runs in three and a third innings in a 16-3 loss to the Pirates, but the Dodger rookie hits his only big league home run in his first major league at-bat. I don't care what team it is. That's always cool to see. Uh, not only that, but even a pitcher. <laughs> you know? Like, like, imagine if we still had National League rules and Spencer Strider in his first start hit a hit a just a jackhammer into into the left field. Uh, I was convinced that Kyle Muller was going to do that when he first came up. Right. Just because he's so large that if he makes contact, the ball's going over the wall. I feel like he could just look at the ball and it'd be scare the ball over the wall. (laughs) (laughs) The ball would get halfway to the plate and Kyle would just be like, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't doing that. And he would just go, nope, 500 feet. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do not miss pitchers hitting at all but i do miss the big moments when a pitcher would get a solid hit or hit a home run because that's always yes i i I, i'll say that i miss pitchers hitting but but that's very specifically when they're actually hitting Uh, right right (laughs) not the majority of the time when they didn't know their head from their ass yeah and i will say too that like every every pitcher that the Braves ever faced seemed like always had like a two for three night at the plate. Yep. The most frustrating thing ever. No one could turn a pitcher into Barry Bonds quicker than the Atlanta Braves. No, exactly. Exactly. All right. Our final fact comes to us from August 28th, 1932. Okay. So obviously we've seen all types of weather delays, you know, storms, torrential downpours, uh, we've even seen snow. We've even seen bees be a reason that a game gets delayed. But here, here's one for you. 1932, due to the anticipation of an eclipse, the Red Sox completed a game several days earlier than scheduled with the Indians and beat the Tribe in 11 innings, 4-3. to three. three days later, Fenway goes dark for 20 minutes during the solar event. Huh. So... Come on, though. You couldn't turn the you couldn't turn the lights on and just have like th- like an inning or two of a dark game during the day. <laughs> that would have been. So- it was nineteen thirty-two. So cool. Oh, they yeah. had lights in nineteen thirty-two. They didn't start playing at night till like the late fifties, at the very least, Alex. They could have cons- made it happen, not consistently, at least. All you need is a little ingenuity and some know-how. <sighs> I will say, I don't know when our next, like, solar eclipse is, but I hope it's during baseball season because I hope we get some cool stuff. I remember the last one because I was, uh, see, at the time I was working at the Fox Theater and we all went out into Peachtree Street. 
and everything got dark and it was weird. Anyway. Anyway, that has been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. All right, guys. We'll be right back to recap the last week for the Atlanta Braves and take a look at what's ahead. All right, guys. We woke up on Monday morning starting what would be the most difficult week of the season for the Braves on paper. We had a four-game set against the New York Mets, followed by a World Series rematch with the Astros coming to Atlanta for three games. We start with the Monday game against the Mets. We had Spencer Strider taking the hill against Carlos Carrasco, uh, and that, that, that did bode well for us. Spencer went out there and shoved, gave us five innings, allowing only three hits, one earned run, did walk one, and struck out four. Meanwhile, Carlos Carrasco did not have as good of a night. He went two full innings, allowing four hits, three earned runs, walked one and struck one out, allowed two home runs, one to uh, Travis Darno in the sixth inning, and or, I'm sorry, one to, uh, to Eddie Rosario in the second, and one to William Contreras. Immediately beforehand, they went back to back. Dansby Swanson and Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, had great games themselves with Acuna knocking three doubles on the day. So that was great to see out of him. Uh, looks to be busting out of his slump, though we'd like to see a bit more power from him. Uh, ultimately, uh, we had a pitcher by the name of Danny Young come in and pitch the last two and two-thirds innings of the game for the Braves, only allowed four hits and didn't allow any runs, uh, was DFA'd the very next morning. So thank you for your service, Mr. Young. Uh, we we do appreciate that. Braves win 13-1 to in the first game of this huge series against the Mets. Yeah, th- th- this was huge. Uh, you know, these first two games especially – were were huge because when you look at a four game set against the Mets and you see that three and four you'll be starting against Scherzer and uh, Degrom, you know the first two become must wins in, in a way. And so taking game one, you know, by the in the manner that you did, that 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 was huge. Yeah, yeah. The the only unfortunate thing about this game is that the Braves, the Braves, the Braves almost got up too big too soon. And the reason I say that is because the the Mets didn't really have to use any of their high leverage bullpen guys. I mean, they had Darren Ruff come in and pitch the last two innings of the game for them. Yeah, but it was still sweet to have to make them use a position player because that's how poorly things are going. Not sweet is us only getting one hit off of two innings of a position player pitching. Eh... (laughs) <laughs> that's not that's not uncommon though. I know, I know. Because I think I think by that point when the position player comes in, everybody is just like so done that you know it it is in no way your best effort. Not 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 at all, not at all. All right, so we go into game two. Again, needing to take the second game of the series because we know we're staring down the barrel of Scherzer and DeGrom in games three and four. So we've got Charlie Morton taking the hill, going up against Taiwan Walker for the New York Mets. Charlie Morton, great game. Unbelievable game from Charlie. Six and two-thirds innings, scatters three hits, doesn't allow an earned run, only walks one, and strikes out a dozen. Guys, Charlie Morton seems to have found it. And not a moment too soon. Just a fantastic outing from from Charlie. 
And we got we got some offense still too. We had Robbie Grossman homer in the third inning, a solo shot to put the Braves up one to nothing. Then Matt Olson comes in in the fourth and hits a four hundred and forty three foot bomb to right field, scoring Riley. Uh, no, the, no, no, not not just to right field, but literally onto the top of the chop house. It looked like it went over the chop house. It it took a good bounce, but my god, it was a monster of a bomb. Um, and, and it was all Braves all day. Uh, Rysel Iglesias comes in and it wasn't a save situation, but does finish out the game. Uh, he's been looking good after a couple of patchy outings to, to start his Braves career. Braves win five to nothing, get the job done and take the first two against the Mets, uh, going into the Scherzer and DeGrom games. Yeah, uh, this felt great, and you know, it's kind of one of those things where you get a couple of like big wins under your belt like that. It it starts to give you almost a little bit of liquid courage in a way, (laughs) right? How how confident did you feel going into the Max Scherzer game? Uh, I didn't want to watch that game. Oh, really? I still did, but I didn't want to because it was Max Scherzer pitching against Jake. Odorizzi. I I stopped trying to to overpronounce his name. It is not Odorizzi. It's Odorizzi. Odorizzi. That's that's how I read. I tell you, the Roman Catholics are going to come after us one way or another. (laughs) If we disappear, we were not suicidal. Uh, So, Jake Odorizzi does kind Odorizzi does what we kind of expected him to do. He goes five innings, allows five earned runs, only strikes out two, gives up three bombs. But we were able to get to Scherzer a little bit. Scherzer pitched six and a third, allowed three hits, but four earned runs, walked three batters, did strike out eight. Um, but you know, if, if you're getting four runs off of Scherzer and you're getting to their bullpen. You got to be happy with that, right? Well, I think three of those runs came from like two guys he had stranded, right? Because Grossman had the big homer. So the second the Braves knocked Scherzer out of the game, they took advantage. When Scherzer left the game, the Mets were up six to one. By the end of the next inning, it was six to five, and all of a sudden we had a game again. Unfortunately, the Braves did not do so well in the ninth inning. Yeah, went down nine to five before they batted in the ninth. Ended up getting a couple of runs in the ninth, made it nine to seven, but could not get the job done. Ultimately, the game ends nine to seven. Braves lose, but one cool thing from the game is we got to see the major league debut of Freddie Tarnock. Yeah, we did. He 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 only got two outs. That was as as much as he was in there. He was in there for ten pitches, but it was cool to see a guy get in there and get his first taste of the bigs. Yeah, it, it was it was very cool. Again, it was just another surprise where it's like, oh, hey, we're pulling up another young guy from the minor league. That's cool. Yeah, very neat stuff. Yeah, and and we're almost spoiled to the point where a young guy comes up from the big leagues and, and we're expecting him to be, you know, the, the next big thing. Because almost everyone who's come up this year has done that. Right, yeah, it's it's awesome. All right, so we go into the last game of the Mets series. The Braves lead the series two games to one. The Mets are pitching Jacob DeGrom. 
the Braves had a question mark going into it. But after the third game of the series, Ryan Snicker announced that Max Freed would be activated off of the concussion injured list and start game four against the Mets. Lord, did we need that. Max shows up and shows up looking like Max because he gives us seven full innings, allowing only four hits, two earned runs, and struck out six. No walks on the day. Meanwhile, DeGrom on the other side goes six and two-thirds, allowing five hits, three earned runs, and striking out nine. That line kind of tells you how the game went because that was the final score. Braves win three to two. Uh, only only uh, scoring play that the uh, the Mets had was a, a Mark uh, Kenya home run to left field, 412 feet, scoring Jeff McNeil. But then Harris comes right back in the seventh. Doubles to center, scoring Grissom. Those two are like two peas in a pod. I love it. Braves win three to two. Take the series against the Mets. Three games to one. So, unfortunately, I missed all of this game as I was calling a football game on Thursday night. But, boy, the group chat was keeping me posted. And (laughs) sounded like a banger. No, I I went back and watched highlights from it. And the thing that I just I gathered from that that Thursday night game was just how much of a playoff atmosphere it looked like. It really was. It really was. Um, I mean, a- every game of this series was was the stadium was packed to the gills. Uh, the the reactions were on par with with what we were seeing in the postseason last year. This was this was our first taste of postseason baseball in 2022. And Braves came out on top. So, you know, you walk away being able to say, hey, we took three out of four from the Mets. And then there's no time to rest because you got the Houston Astros coming to town, arguably the best team in the American League, for a World Series rematch. We had Kyle Wright on the hill for game one, going up against Lance McCullers Jr. for the Astros. Uh, Kyle Wright. Had a pretty solid game. Six innings, two earned runs, struck out seven, only allowed one walk. Uh, Did give up a home run to Kyle Tucker, uh, but a a lot of people do that. So (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Tucker, good. Um, Kyle Tucker is a a menace is what he is. Yep, we had a a monster third-inning home run from Austin Riley, his 31st of the year. Boy, that was a, that was another big one. It, it says 409 feet, but I don't really believe it. Three one three run blast to put the Braves up early. Uh, Braves he just, ulti- and it was just muscled out of there too. That's the thing. Oh, he just destroyed that ball. Like it wasn't like Pool City or anything. I mean, he just <laughs> bloop. Yup. Braves ultimately win six to two. Kenley Jansen comes in and gets a stress free save. Love to see it. Braves take the first game of the of the set with the Astros, and they are four and one on the week. So we go into the Saturday game against the Astros, looking to keep the momentum rolling. Would be a little bit tougher of a game this time. We had Spencer Strider going up against Christian Javier for the Astros. This game, I, I hope y'all had the chance to watch this game. This was a phenomenal pitching matchup. I I don't think enough was said about it going into this game, but Javier and Strider were both on fire this entire game. Had 17 strikeouts between the two of them. They both went 
six innings. Javier allowed two hits. Strider allowed three. They both allowed one earned run. Um, just un- un- unbelievable pitching. If you like pitching, this was a game for you. And then the bullpens came in, and the action got started. <laughs> so the yeah. uh, uh, it, the game was tied at one. Um, there were there were there were there was a solo home run from the from the Astros and a solo home run from the Braves. That was it going into extras. So in the, in extras, Astros put up two runs in the tenth. Braves come right back. Put the, put up two runs in the tenth. Astros come back in the eleventh and get a run, which gives the Braves an opportunity. Starts with an, a Matt Olson check swing double to left because they had a shift on his check swing poked the ball through the hole at short into the outfield where nobody was to uh, uh Swanson scored tying the game and then Travis Darno he wasn't even playing that night it was a William Contreras start Travis Darno pinch hits singles to right scores Riley and the ball game's over Braves win five to four in 11 innings so first off, I thought this game was never actually going to end. Um, once we went into the eleventh, I thought, "Oh no, this is about <laughs> to be one of those." Oh, no, yeah. I mean this. You know, th- this is one of those wins that I feel like we have not seen too many of this season. You know, th- this was just a gritty win. You know, to, absolutely to fall, it was to to fall behind three different times in this game. And to still in, come back in and extras it. when we traditionally don't do well from behind. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. This was, um, I, I don't think I would put it above the Thursday night game against the Mets, obviously, because that the Thursday night game just meant so much. But man, to to be able to go ahead and win the series against Houston within the first two games, it, it, that that was huge. Yep, and then we made it to the Sunday game, last game of the week. The Braves have already won five, uh, win both series. Uh, and then you get into the, the the last game of the Astros series. You've got Charlie Morton on the mound. He had a really solid outing, six innings, two earned runs, strikes out 11, did walk two and allow five hits. Meanwhile, on the other side, Irquity goes seven innings, allowing two earned runs, walked two, struck out six. Um, Braves get an early lead on a first inning monster homer from <laughs> that's all we hit are monster homers monster homer from Matt Olson scoring Swanson Braves take a two nothing lead into the third before Houston answers back and ties the game they keep on coming and they keep on coming until they are up five to two in the ninth and the Braves do just enough to tease us in the ninth Matt Olson gets on for Travis Darno, who hits his first triple since 2017, bringing the game to five to three. Then uh, Vaughn Grissom grounds out to shortstop, uh, scoring Travis Darno, making it five to four, and that's where the game would end. Uh, unfortunately, there's only so much you can do off of Ryan Presley, uh, and two runs was it for us today. Astros win the third game of the series, five to four. So, if I if I had told you last week, you know, once when we previewed these these seven games, if I said, "Hey, we went five and two, how would you have felt about that? 
Well, if I, I believe, and I, someone actually called me out on this on Twitter, uh, I believe last week when we were talking about this, I wanted, I wanted at least four wins. I right. wanted at least four wins out of this week, and I was going to be happy with that. Well, I got five, and let me tell you, I am thrilled. Yes, the Sunday game sucked. Uh, yes, there were some questionable bullpen decisions made in that game. Uh, no, I am not going to think about it beyond today. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, I, I got over it fairly quick. Um, it, it, you know, I the Sunday game was frustrating, and I would even say the Scherzer game was frustrating because – in both of those, you you know you were kind of right there. And I mean, if you if you get four runs off of off a of Scherzer, you should win that game. Correct. So you know, I, I think the the other takeaway from this past week is that even at five and two, there was a path to go seven and zero oh because oh, yeah. we were we were right there in these games. You know, I, I don't know. It's really interesting, and so I think. I say all of that to say that we we feel really good right now. Like, yeah, we, I mean, we really do. You remember how bad that series in New York was? Oh, that was awful. The Braves are we, eleven we, and we, two since we barely that. talked about it. <laughs> eleven and two. The Braves have gone eleven and two since that series in New York. Yeah. We're 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 a good team, and I, I it feels like we're really just starting to click at the right time again. Yeah. Now, uh, coming up this week, we start with a series in Pittsburgh. So we have three games against the Pirates, and Cam, I have one question for you. What you got? Uh, what time is it? No, uh, oh man, don't do that to me. What, what time is it, Cam? It is 9.47 p.m. on August 21st, and Brian Reynolds is still not a Brave. Still not a Brave. All right, so we have Jake Odorizzi, Odorizzi taking the hill up against, oh, I'm going to butcher this one, Roansi Contreras. There you go. He is a pitcher for the Pirates, apparently. Uh, second game of the series, we got Max Freed up against JT Brubaker. Uh, and then for the third game of the series, we have uh, Kyle Wright on the hill against Mitch Keller. This is a series that I am looking at, and I need a sweep. I have to have a sweep. I can't oh, have man. We, I can't, we don't get I Ross Wilson. Dang. I, I, can't, I can't see anything but a sweep here. It's necessary. From Pittsburgh, we fly into St. Louis with a three-game set against the Cardinals. We've got uh, Spencer Strider taking the hill in game one, going up against Jose Quintana, a guy who certain people, uh, certain Braves fans wanted to uh, trade Ozzy Albies for back in the day, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, second game, we've got Charlie Morton going up against Jordan Montgomery. And in game three, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball next week, we have Jake Odorizzi up on the hill against Braves legend, Adam Wainwright. <sighs> Guys, hold on to your butts. We got two Odorizzi games this week. And, and one of those is against the Cardinals Devil Magic. And one of those is against the Cardinals Devil Magic. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's we, you know, we, we, we sweat. 
we swept them back in July, right? right. But they're they're playing much better baseball right now than they were in that series. And Paul Goldschmidt is, you know, looking like a sincere MVP candidate this year for the National League. He is having a career season. Oh, um, yeah. Goldschmidt and Arenado are on uh, another planet from from everybody else. And so, you know, we we play the Cardinal Friday night. I think it's just a normal regional coverage game. Saturday night is on Big Fox. Sunday, I think, is the Sunday night baseball game. So, yeah, yeah. So I was I was going to mention the uh, the the broadcasts are going to feel a little bit different for us because we're going to have two out of three games of that Cardinal series that aren't on Bally. Yeah. So, so think about it this way. Uh, Chip has to, well, no, not necessarily because sometimes for whatever reason, even when they're on big Fox, Bally will still get a stream. Sometimes, sometimes not, but it'll be kind of funny if, you know, if Chip has to fly to St. Louis to cover Friday's game and then just gets the rest of the weekend off. Oh boy. Watch Chip on the streets of St. Louis. I don't know if they're ready for him. My granddad used to run this town before the Bush family <laughs> fired him. And that's why he drank Budweiser. That's right. All right, guys. To, uh, today's episode of the Chatting Average podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. Rising Tide lifts all boats. And we say go check them out online or on social at sportsdrink.org or open Instagram or Twitter and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K that's spelled like sports drink just without the vowels. All we ask, Cam. Yes. Is that you close the door behind you because we don't want to let the funk out. Don't do it. Hey, uh, next week is episode 100. Next week! will be the 100th episode of the Chatting Average podcast. But I, 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 I can't, I can't believe that. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is a uh, quite crazy indeed. It's uh, it's been a long road to episode 100, but uh, it, it ought to be a fun one. I'm not quite sure what we're gonna do yet, but we'll uh, we'll we'll make sure to do something to make it special for you guys. Yeah, exactly. So y'all be sure to tune in next week to the series finale of the Chatting Average Podcast. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. For Cam Matthews, my name is Alex. We will see y'all next week on another brand new episode. Bye! has been the chatting average podcast brought to you by sports drink be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash chatting average podcast and please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash chatting average we'll see you next week for another brand new episode